Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, everyone. This is Adam. On this episode, Richard and I catch up on all the news from CES and everything else that's been announced since the beginning of the year. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone, I'm Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. I'm joined as usual by my co-host Adam Justice from ConnectSense. Hey Adam. Hey Richard, nice to see you and nice to record again. And late Happy New Year. And since it is a new year and between CES and other news and events, there's been a lot of smart home product and technology news. So we're going to take a look at some of the news that has caught our attention, both from CES and otherwise, as we start out the new year. All right. So as always, we open these with a question. And so my question for Richard is, uh, did you get any new tech for the Christmas? Wow, has it been that long since we've talked? Yeah, it has. <laughs> uh, in in fact, I did. Yeah, I got the new Sonos Sub Mini. Hmm, nice. And yeah, had, had a chance to play around with it. I have. I'm really happy with it. Of course, first day experience on Christmas Day, setting it up, download the mandatory update, <laughs> but. Once I got that in place and set it up with the ARC that we're using as our primary audio system in the family room, it sounds great. It sounds so good. And my first opportunity to try it out was watching Maverick. Nice. So, yeah, good. Definitely very happy with that one. How about you? A uh, couple things. So, um, my wife... Got me with a rare surprise, I guess, semi-connected product that I had never heard of and uh, was really excited about. Doing a lot of workouts and fitness, always looking for interesting recovery options, and a product called Hyper Ice. And it's basically kind of like a sticky pad with a little module that goes on top of it, and it can apply heat and like vibration to recovering muscles. And it's pretty awesome. So it hooks up to your phone and an app and pretty nice for recovery and, you know, various things after a tough workout. So that one is cool. The other one is sort of a combination Christmas and birthday present. I also recently had a birthday. We got a new pinball machine. So I don't know if we ever talked about this, but I'm a, I'm a huge <laughs> pinball fan. We've had a Star Wars pinball machine since the 90s. Nice. That finally lives at our house and so we got a Deadpool pinball machine that's pretty awesome for the family and the tech part of it is for my birthday I got this thing called Insider Connect which allows you to connect to the pinball machine uh, you like scan your personal QR code and then you can do like achievements you're on the worldwide scoreboard stuff like that so I spent basically all of last Sunday putting that into the pinball machine, which was semi-complicated, but pretty cool. I had now have a connected pinball machine. That is very cool. Did you and Chris ever talk about pinball machines at CES before? Because I know my buddy Chris that comes to CES is always there looking for the rally booth and anyone else that is showing off pinball machines. I don't know that we ever made that connection. So yeah, you'll have to uh, put us in touch. That's funny. That's funny. All right. Well, if you have a question that uh, you would like us to answer in terms of what's been going on in our lives or what we're into or whatever else, you can post that with the hashtag Ask Adam and Richard. And um, well, Adam will find it because I'm not on the Twitters these days. You can email it to us too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Feedback at smarthome.fm. There you go. All right. So let's start out with some CES stuff. And 
no big surprise, the talk of CES, at least in terms of stuff that we cared about, products for the smart home, was Matter. I mean, I think there's no way around it. Yeah, I think even The Verge called out Matter as a best in show. It's good that while everybody was certainly talking about Matter last year, there was nothing to show, you know, no products. It was all promise. And this is the first year that it's real and it's here. And a lot of players in the smart home space had, you know, things to show. Real things that they were on the cusp of releasing or that they at least had what seemed like reasonable plans for. Now, there are a couple that are way out there and and one vendor in particular that kind of represents or is representative of those who are just dipping their toe in the matter pool right now. But we'll talk about those as they come up. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing I'll remind our audience about CES is always believe it when you see it. And uh, certainly working demos show that they are further along, but even those can be kind of mocked. And so lots of people come to CES with things that never make it to retail. So believe it when you see it. Launch dates sooner rather than later, more believable. But, you know, those things may come to fruition. They may not. Always interesting to see how that all shakes off. Yeah, fair enough. All right. So with that kind of filter in mind, then, Adam, let's kind of run through some of the things that caught our attention from CES. Why don't you get us started? Sure. My hands down thing I was most excited about that was shown at CES was the NanoLeaf Skylight. Right. Um, already a big fan of NanoLeaf and have NanoLeaf lines in my office. Um, my kids have some NanoLeaf. This is like a real lighting fixture from NanoLeaf. It's not just decorative. Like it is decorative, but this has function, which is other than say their light bulbs and maybe arguably the light strips, kind of new for NanoLeaf. Yeah, this seems to be, I think, a kind of a brand new category for them. And it seems to have a lot more application. Some of the backstory here is that you know, what became my office after COVID has these two kind of old school two bulb fixtures and like the lighting in here kind of sucks. So the first person I went to was Richard about what do I do? We've looked at various things. I haven't found anything <laughs> that I'm, I've been excited about. So this finally, as soon as I saw it, I was like, yes, this, I'm going to buy two of these. I'm going to replace those existing fixtures in day one. Yeah. Nice. So for people who aren't familiar with this, the Nanoleaf tiles are, of course, those color-changing tiles in various shapes that fit together and can be used largely for ornamental purposes. I imagine if you have a lot, enough of them, they could provide some sort of a light source, but they're not really meant for that. These are larger, I think, roughly a square foot each, if I'm right. I don't remember the exact dimensions and significantly brighter. They are squares that can be used individually or connected together and mounted to a normal junction box that you would have on the ceiling. They're intended to be on the ceiling. I guess there's nothing that would prevent you from putting them on a wall as well. And they are not just a source of light, but then of course they can tie into all the other goodness with Nanoleaf. So you could have multiple colors or patterns or have them react to things. And they're just so cool. There's, I love this concept. Yeah. And I'm hoping they also offer, it does say tunable white light. So, you know, different color temperatures, I think some of that kind of stuff. And this was also announced from them in conjunction with a new light switch and a product they call their Nala Learning Bridge. So not a ton of details about that other than it's going to basically they want to learn your routine. This thing has some light sensors in it as well as motion sensors. So really interesting. And I think, you know, if I'm going to go all in on nano leaf lighting probably that control will also be something i will check out as well 
Yeah, and I, I think the idea here being that we're seeing them take this move to in-home control of the stuff in your home. So this bridge or brain or whatever you want to call it, they hinted at AI. I don't know if they used that term, but this learning bridge then can be the thing in your home that's controlling their stuff that works off of this can also work in conjunction with those switches that you mentioned. They have these wall switches that one I think is just a a remote that can be removed. The other is an actual in-wall switch. Both have decor of form factors, which is nice. So they, even though they have weird designs themselves, they'll fit in a normal slot next to something else on the wall. Overall, I think a nice offering from Nanoleaf at CES. And um, everything we just talked about, matter compatible. Yep, all matter and thread. And yeah, I would say Nanoleaf is one of those companies that's definitely at the front line of all things matter with their products supporting it um, very early on. So uh, excited about that. Cool. Next on my list, something that I've long thought, and even you know, we looked at trying to come up with a solution here, was kind of one of the holy grails of smart home was presence sensing. And Acara introduced some presence sensors. They're going to be $60 available in Q2. And I'll just say, since I wasn't there, I didn't see a demo. Sounds very promising. One of the things they promise with this is a presence sensor in a room can set up specific zones within a room and track multiple people. So think about this in terms of you could have a zone for your couch and you could say when someone is sitting on the couch, trigger this automation. Pretty awesome. Yeah, that's really nice. Now, is this using RF sensing? It is using millimeter wave technology. Okay. All right. So similar concept, the idea that you're disrupting waves in this space. Cool. Very cool. I like that. I know that we've talked a lot about the idea of systems knowing where you are in a home and the ability to get even more granular with that could be incredibly powerful for automations. Yeah. And their claim was it can actively and precisely detect human presence, even with the slightest motion, even a human's chest rise and fall. So, you know, they were also talking about it in terms of like an elder care scenario and that kind of stuff. But, you know, for me, anything that moves beyond the traditional PIR type motion sensors is a huge upgrade. Yeah, that's great. The last one on my list, we have had for a long time these under cabinet lighting in our kitchen that have just been like, wired under cabinet lighting and they've been like slowly falling apart including like fixtures falling up from underneath the cabinets and i think richard and i talked about it offline a while back and there wasn't really a good smart replacement for this and we were like oh maybe we could do light strips or whatever ge lighting actually announced a solution that i'll have to look into more but it looks like it uses even the kind of wiring that our under cabinet lighting today uses. So if I could rip all that out and plug it into the existing wiring, I will be very happy. That's very cool. I somehow missed this product and I love that they're specifically addressing this. I think other than Ikea, nobody's really offering smart connected under cabinet lighting solutions right now. I know that under the Sylvania brand, Ledvance was playing with a product idea that I don't ever think made it to market and kind of got nixed when they reorganized how their consumer lighting division was being managed and and run. So this is really cool. I might have to look into this because I too want to replace some of the lighting in our butler's pantry area where the 
lighting the contractors could put in just isn't doing it. Not working well, doesn't dim well. That's the other thing. I like stuff that's nice and dimmable. Yeah, dimmable, color temperature, different colors. I'll take all of it. Yeah, exactly. Now, you have this GE lighting product. It's a good transition into my list of stuff because I also want to talk about GE lighting things. One of the things that I'll call out about your pick is that it is not matter compatible and probably won't be. I don't know if I care, but in general, I'm not adding anything new that isn't matter compatible. But, you know, my under cabinet lighting situation is so grim, I might I might be willing to do it. And GE has taken a very tepid approach toward HomeKit support as well. So I'm betting that they don't support HomeKit either. You need them that badly. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) I mean, the good thing about GE is that, again, GE has controls that you can mount in a switch box or that you can use as remotes or what have you. So that allows you to control these like you would any other lighting solution that you might have. So it could probably work fine without. Now, I think GE lighting and in particular, the Sync brand had a huge showing at CES in terms of the vast array of products that they announced. They announced that they are getting into new areas in lighting that they haven't covered before, like the entertainment space. So one of the lines of products they talked about was a competitor to the Hue Sync solution where you have lights around your TV or in your room that can synchronize to a video source or an audio source of some sort. And more or less, except for some off brands, NanoLeaf does this with audio, but nobody's really done this as well as Philips Hue branded stuff has from Signify. So it's interesting to see the sync line uh, from GE Lighting, getting into this. And their stuff's going to be a lot cheaper than the stuff coming out of Philips Hue. So I'm excited about this and want to see how this ends up. Now, they also announced, and this is something, man, I don't know why we're not seeing this in the Philips Hue line. I want to call them compact discs, but that's confusing. (laughs) These compact form factor disc lights that are essentially a replacement for what we typically would have had in a ceiling, which would be like a can light, which is typically a hole in the ceiling with an upside down can that you would put a bulb or some sort of fixture into. And nowadays... You don't need that can. And these lights don't get hot enough that they need all of the protection and the space that that can affords the lighting source. Because part of the reason for that was to keep the hot stuff away from insulation and anything else that was in your ceiling. Right. Well, now you can just take these thin little discs that have clips on them. You still drill the four or six inch hole in the ceiling, but then you just take this little disc, clip it up there and it stays in place. And there's a little junction box that hangs off a pigtail. And that's what you tie into the electric. They're easy to install. They're incredibly flexible. And I don't know why we're not seeing them from more smart home company manufacturers. GE Lighting is now going to offer these not just in white and color changing, but they're also going to be a part of their reveal line, which is frankly, one of the best interior lighting solutions that you can buy in retail. Nice. Yeah. Very excited about those. And I mentioned that they were dipping their toe into matter or that some vendors were, and they're really the example of this. In addition to all of this stuff, they also released a bulb or they announced, I should say, a bulb and a smart plug that will be matter compatible. And they were very clear 
that these will be their only Matter-compatible products so far. Others will be coming. So we are not expecting that the GE lighting products that are out there, even though many of them are Wi-Fi-based already, are going to get updated to support Matter. This is a good uh, transition to one of my disappointments of CES was people being a little bit more realistic about what would and would not be updated to matter. <laughs> I, I would I would encourage the audience to just set your expectations low because one of the products I had that I bought, this has a Wi-Fi radio in it. This has a thread radio in it. Definitely going to get matter later. Uh, my Schlage lock, brand new, you know, 2022. They announced, uh, no, you're going to need to buy a different model for that uh, if you want matter. So set your expectations low. Various reasons why somebody wouldn't be able to have matter compatibility could just be they want you to buy a new thing. Could be memory related in their chipset. Could be they're on an old chipset whose SDK doesn't support matter. So there's a whole host of reasons why matter may not come to legacy devices. So I would just say proceed with caution. Yeah, and it's going to be different from company to company. For example, Nanoleaf is taking the approach that new products coming out with thread radios in them are going to support matter now that matter's out. They're initially not rolling out updates to make their past thread enabled products matter compatible, but they plan to. So they're just prioritizing new product with the intent that once that's out, and I honestly, I think they're probably testing the waters, right? They want to make sure that it all works and that it makes sense before they end up with some sort of complicated and potentially problematic upgrade scenario like Eve saw with some of their beta testing. Yeah, that makes sense. I think they're doing the right thing. I am frustrated to see some companies just making the decision that, yeah, no, we're not going to update our stuff. I kind of get that, but I, I think it's frustrating. All right. Well, I had some other stuff. I mentioned Hue. So let's talk about Hue Sync. Hue Sync has been out for a couple of years. I think it was Jenny Tui who convinced me that I had to have one. <laughs> and I am very happy that I did buy, or I, I should say get the sync box as a gift because I had a hard time spending the money on it. It costs $230 for that box. And that just gets you the box. They still need the lights and everything else. And so it's an investment. One of the things that they're doing to make that a little bit easier for consumers is they partnered with Samsung to make HueSync available, I'm going to say as a service, but basically as software that can be loaded onto a Samsung TV, which is amazing, right? It goes from $230 to being free. Oh, sorry, no, not free. You'd have to pay about $130 for that software update. Adam, what are your thoughts on this? I have many conflicted thoughts on this. Um, yeah, maybe not the best of options. Would you pay $130 for an app for your TV? Probably not. It would suck then to, you know, let's say you change TV vendors away from Samsung Right. That you're throwing that out the window. Yeah, I'm not crazy about it. I don't know how this is going to work for them. This will be interesting to watch, to see if they get pickup on this. I mean, an alternative, potentially, is that they could have maybe charged some sort of recurring but smaller fee so that you feel more like you're only paying it for the duration of your use of it. But it would have to be a lot smaller because if you used it for five years, you wouldn't want to be paying, say, 40 bucks a year for something like that. It just That's impractical. 
I think the external box just makes more sense. I like that it's built into a TV, but I'll remind people, Philips built this into a TV, including the lighting itself, over a decade ago. The technology exists to just make this a part of the TV. And what I would like to see is that they partner with a company to do just that. That yeah. it's part of the cost of the television. It costs a little bit more, but it's going to come with this light-seeking capability built in. And part of their revenue model then is that licensing fee that they would get from the TV manufacturer itself. We didn't have it on any list, but uh, since we're in this space, uh, I did see on Nanoleaf's website, they also now have a solution to do this. A little bit different means of doing it. They have a high-resolution camera that is either above or below your TV, and then they're talking to their lighting products behind the TV to do accomplish this. I totally forgot about that. I was really only thinking of their ability to sync with music, which they've been able to do for many, many years. But that's really cool. It's a little bit weird because you're going to be seeing this sensor type thing kind of hovering over top of your television. And I've seen pictures of it. I guess you get used to it. I don't know. I don't know that it'd be that different than in the day when we all had Connect camera and sensor systems in front of our televisions. Yeah. So. Uh, competition is a good thing and hopefully it'll push both parties and the industry in general to continue to look at other ways to get to the same ends. Yeah. And I'll give them credit for innovating. Like I, I like that they're trying some new stuff. I just don't think this particular solution is going to stick, but we'll see. All right, next on my list, I already have EVE motion blinds. And this is something I reported about after last year's CES because I was very excited about these matter-ready blinds that were coming out from EVE. EVE partnered with a number of different blind manufacturers around the globe. So from different vendors, you can buy blinds that are powered by Eve. And that means that they are on day one, HomeKit compatible. And at some point in the future, they would be Matter compatible as well. Well, at this CES, they announced the Eve Motion Blinds Matter Upgrade Kit. And for all of the blogs that only read headlines and don't actually read through the articles, they incorrectly reported this as an upgrade that was necessary to make your EVE motion blinds matter compatible. It is not. That is not what this is. This is so much better. This is a retrofit kit to make an ordinary pool blind, a window shade window blind, that you could buy at, say, Home Depot and turn it into an automated blind using the EVE engine by inserting it into the tube. And generally, the tube sizes for blinds that you just buy at a store have dimension standards that they follow. And there are various fittings that come with this so that you can insert it in different size rods. If you're thinking, oh, maybe they'll work with my IKEA things that are not automated yet, but I wanted them to be yet, yeah, don't, I wouldn't guarantee that. I wouldn't count on that. But I think there's a good possibility they're going to work with a ton of different just over-the-counter blinds that you can either buy online or buy in stores. And this is a great thing because... Well, I mean, I love seeing retrofit for products that people already have without having to just dump it and get a whole new thing. Particularly if you've already picked out blinds that are like the right color for your room or there's something in your kid's room that's special and they already like it, but you wanted to be able to have it go down automatically or maybe come up in the morning to uh, help them wake up. I think this is a really, really cool solution. Yeah. And then finally... It's not here yet. We still don't have that drone from Ring, but 
we did get to see it and it's pretty cool and i don't know about you adam i still want one you still want one that still surprises me but it is cool (laughs) it is cool it is cool ring did have a uh, more of a release announcement for their car camera stuff that they had also announced at the same time that they announced the drone two plus years ago, I think it was now. But it's apparently pretty complicated to program a drone to fly around your house and not break things. Yeah. And did they give any indication of when this thing is coming to the market? My information on this is from an interview that Jenny Tui did with Jamie at the ring booth. And I think the best they could get out of him was this year. Okay. Coming to Richard's house sometime (laughs) in 2023. I hope so. I hope so. Well, uh, let's take a quick break for sponsors, and we'll return after that with some more smart home discussion. Everyone says that starting a podcast is easy, but let me tell you, making a podcast is hard work. That's where today's sponsor, Lightning Pod, comes in. If you have a podcast or you want to start one, then you should check them out. They can help you with every step of the podcast production process. We've been working with Lightning Pod founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. Eric currently helps us with editing and copywriting, but he's also available to help your podcast with recording, monetization, website design, and more. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. All experience levels are welcome. So whether you're a veteran podcaster or a total newbie, you should check them out. That's lightningpod.fm. So CES was not the only thing that's happened so far this year. We've gotten some other announcements in the smart home space. And so uh, let's talk about some of those. The one that kind of came out of nowhere (laughs) was uh, new home pods, new big home pod. Yeah. It's back. Yep. It is back. And I'm excited about it. I think a lot of people scratch their head wondering why would they re-release a product that failed miserably? And one could argue that part of the reason it failed miserably was because it was overpriced. They did bring the price down, but not a lot of people thought that they brought the price down enough. Yeah, I mean, I would argue, though, that the success of the HomePod Mini at $99 actually makes this price a little bit easier to swallow. Yeah, I could see that. They now have a low-end solution. If you care less about the quality of the sound, that's the product for you. Yep. And if you want, you know, the bigger, more advanced sound, they made some changes to the design. I think there's less speakers, less tweeters, less everything. The, you know, early impressions are it still sounds really good. And um, some big technical advances to it as well. One being it got all of the thread and matter-ready tech in it that the HomePod Minis Mm -hmm. had. Yep. And the other one that was also included in the HomePod Minis that was a little bit of a surprise was uh, some sensors that are exposed to HomeKit. Yeah, and I think this is... Probably the biggest news, but let let me just back up. We were talking about this price. It's too expensive. What is that too expensive? It's $300. It's it's $299. So if you were paying $99 and Apple demonstrated that people will, then maybe $300 isn't such a leap anymore for something with significantly more sound quality. I want one of these. And I don't really have a need for one. I need to figure out where I would use it before... I can talk myself into getting one, but I want one. And part of the reason is because they're so much better at hearing you and understanding you. These devices are phenomenal. And if you've used the first generation, even though this has also fewer mics because it has fewer everything, it is supposed to be just as good as that first generation was at hearing voices talking to it 
in crowded loud spaces. So that's awesome. Now, back to that sensor stuff, temperature and humidity sensors that you could use for automations. You could just use them for information purposes to have them kind of as part of your information dashboard in the home app. I think the big disappointment there, and I hope that in the long run, they change this at some point, is that they're only exposed to the home app. Because they're part of the HomePod and the HomePods themselves are not technically part of HomeKit that gets exposed outside of Apple's own home app environment, other ecosystems won't be able to leverage them. And by that, I mean that you may not be able to use them through matter in some other ecosystem. We know that third-party apps are unable to access HomePods and now these HomePod sensors. Doesn't mean that if you have automations, you couldn't edit those automations, but you'd never be able to edit the sensor portion of the, this trigger part of that automation. And it's just, it makes for a disjointed experience for those customers who do use third-party apps. And there are a lot out there. Yeah. I mean, hopefully this is a temporary thing and something they'll address over time. I hope so. I hope so. And you kind of talked about this a little bit, but surprise, they're also in your HomePod mini. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Very good. The other HomeKit related news is uh, the new HomeKit home architecture, which, you know, I think we largely believe has to do with matter and the conversion of some backend stuff to get it all ready for matter and support matter in the home app. That was a little bit of a stumble out the door. What update did that originally come out in? I think it was 16.2 the first time. Yeah. I don't know if you can elaborate, but I know some people had some HomeKit uh-ohs when making this upgrade and um, <laughs> it was a rough beta period and things like that. So in 16.3, they're going to roll this out again. I never experienced this. I don't know if I really, maybe I didn't like fully do the update even though I was on 16.2 pretty early, I didn't have any issues, but I know some people did. If you did the update, you would probably know and remember because the experience to initiate the update is big and front and center. It's a full screen experience that says, we're going to upgrade your HomeKit architecture now. And there's kind of no way that you would have missed that. Okay. So I suspect that you probably didn't do it. And if, in fact, everything in your home's been working no different than it has before, that's also a good sign that you had never accepted that update. Yeah, they had uh, just a bunch of problems with it. It was, it was unreliable. It was crashing, I believe, during the update process for some people. So they pulled it out of the beta for 16.2 and ultimately ended up refining it before getting it out for 16.3. And 16.3 is rolling out kind of as we speak. My phone just updated to it yesterday, I believe. So hopefully we'll see this HomeKit update hit users and be a little bit more reliable this time. And I'm hoping, because I'm one of many people who's been reporting for months now, that my automations have not been reliable. They just stop working periodically. Not all of them, just some of them. And I'm hoping this helps fix some of that stuff because it's been kind of making me crazy. Yeah. So uh, next one I'll let you talk about, which is uh, related to Insteon i3. Yeah, so Insteon Technologies has been chugging along, introducing a bunch of hardware that had been previously unavailable. They've been kind of scrambling to make product available to customers of the old Insteon system. This company is, is really doing everything they can to get things back up and going for their existing customers. But they also know that the path forward is new product. And 
folks may remember that Smart Labs had introduced the Nokia Smart Lighting line in partnership with Nokia last, wow, uh, almost two years ago, about a year and a half ago now. And we didn't really know what was going to happen with that stuff. Well, we're now starting to see this new product and you can now purchase from Insteon. It's branded as Insteon i3. It's no longer in partnership with Nokia. But these products specifically at the head of the pack now are the new Insteon i3 dial, which is a traditional rotary form factor dimmer that you turn to dim and press to turn on and off. And that's nice to see that out. It fits in a traditional Decora switch. So that can be swapped in in place of any existing dimmer that you might have. And then the new double outlet. So they have a double outlet product that can, it's 15 amps and they can be controlled locally. One of the things that I love about this outlet is that like all of their plug-in products, it has a load sensing capability. So if you use Insteon products and you have a lamp plugged into it, but the plug is turned off, you can get it to turn on. You can override the smart outlet by turning the light on and off and it'll sense that the light was turned on and then it'll apply power to the outlet controlling that lamp, which is really, really cool. It kind of helps solve that problem where you have a conflict between a physical device's switch and the smart outlet that it's plugged into. Interesting. Yeah. So good to see this stuff coming out. And uh, of course, you may remember that there were more products from the Smart Labs announcement with Nokia. We don't know when or if those other products will come out, but I am hopeful because they had some other cool stuff like a dimmer and a keypad that I hope we also get to see soon at some point in time. And, uh, you know, my usual disclaimer of my long, complicated history, including a contract relationship in the past with the company previously responsible for Insteon stuff. You know, we talked a lot about Matter earlier. So one of the other announcements that came out recently is that Eve's Matter updates should be rolling out soon. So that's exciting. Yeah, and some people are already playing with them. Most notably, Kevin Toffel on the IoT podcast did kind of a scathing review of his beta experience updating some of his Matter devices. It was beta and, uh, you know, you're going to have problems when you're helping out with a beta. So I'm not too concerned about that. I don't know how much that concerned you, Adam. I'm just kind of holding out until stuff is officially available till I move on any of this. Yeah, I mean, I ordered a couple things to play around with Matter more. We're... Um we're doing some work for some investigative work for some of our clients and, you know, looking at it more closely with us. So I want to play around with the matter experience, but like a lot of that early stuff, you can either can't get it or it's not available or backordered or whatever. So a little hard to play around with it now. So I do have some Eve stuff that I got recently that I'm going to test out and experiment and see how this all works. And beyond that, obviously, others are starting to talk about their Matter updates coming out on their existing products, too. So I would just stay tuned for all of those. Yeah, I think probably the most anticipated of those would be Philips Hue. Philips Hue is one of the early partners on Matter, working with Apple and other vendors to ensure that their Matter compatibility was going to be bulletproof. And of course, theirs is going to go through their bridge. So it may be one of the early matter updates that we see for an existing bridge out there. We were expecting it in December. It hasn't hit yet. So any day now? 
yeah, I obviously have a lot of Hughes stuff in my house too. So I will be uh, watching closely for that. And I'm just thankful we don't have to buy a new bridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that is nice, isn't it? I like it. All right. Well, that's kind of our wrap up of uh, looking at what's been going on at the beginning of this year and uh, an unusually newsy episode for us. But I, I thought that there was definitely a lot worth talking about, particularly since we're kind of on this cusp with matter and we're starting to see some movement after long, long, long anticipation of that. So um, we have a question, and this question comes from a colleague of mine, actually. He does not have a lot of smart home stuff now, and he just wants to be able to turn a few lights on and off from his phone. And he joked about how, you know, really, I just don't actually have to get out of bed sometimes. <laughs> and it's a fair use case, right? So what products would you recommend in that situation? And he recognized that there are smart bulbs and there are smart outlets and what's the best approach there. And of those, what might be some good solutions? And the first question that I asked him was, well, what ecosystems are you using? What phones and devices do you have? Do you have digital assistants around the home? And if you do, is that something that you want to be able to use with these lights? And the answers were iOS and don't really care. <laughs> so not really that concerned about assistant support. And pretty much anything that you buy today is going to be compatible with iOS in one way or another. So that is kind of greenfield. So I have a solution, and I'll bet that Adam also might have a solution too. My solution is the cheap solution. And if you're just looking for something quick and you're not looking for a ton of features or capabilities out of your device, some of the cheapest smart plugs that you can get now that work with pretty much everything. They work with the three majors, Apple, HomeKit, Amazon's Assistant, and Google's Assistant are the TP-Link Smart Plug Mini with HomeKit support. It's important, I think, that you look for the ones that include HomeKit support because older versions of these did not support HomeKit. But these are extremely inexpensive. You can get two packs for like $25 and four packs for 40 some dollars. So you're basically paying $12 a piece or something like that. So very inexpensive, very basic, but I use these in my home and they're very reliable. Yeah. I mean, there are cheaper options, but I would uh, echo what Richard said. You want to go with something reliable and from an actual like name brand in as opposed to the like no name who knows where it's from right. uh, you know on amazon eight smart plugs for ten dollars kind of thing <laughs> yeah don't do that don't just for the safety of your home don't do that yeah and obviously you know from us uh the more comprehensive option would be a one of our in-wall outlets um also i think depends on your colleagues' electrical skills and whether or not they want something that's going to be permanently installed. So, yeah. Well, permanently installed. And the other thing, and again, full disclosure of our complicated relationship, we work together as well. But the ConnectSense in-wall outlet also affords you the opportunity to see the history of your power usage and to monitor that power usage even in real time. So that might be something that's valuable to you depending on what you're using the smart outlet for. And like the Insteon outlet we were just talking about before, it's a dual outlet. It's two con separately controllable outlets. Yeah. So if you have an application where you have two things that you want to control right there, um, certainly that's a great option. 
So if you have a smart home question for us, you can send it our way using the hashtag AskSmartHomeShow, or as we mentioned earlier, you can send that to our email, feedback at smarthome.fm. All right. Well, this was good catching up, Adam. Thanks for uh, providing us with uh, your favorites from the show. Hopefully next year we get to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, worth mentioning. Yeah. Both Richard and I, I, I wanted to be there, but had some other conflicts in my schedule. Um, so yeah. I didn't want to we... be there. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully next year we can go back in person. I was definitely feeling the FOMO this year. Oh, me too. Me too. Absolutely. All right. Well, since people aren't going to run into us at CES, where can people find you, Adam? Uh, you can find me online. Uh, I'm still on Twitter at Adam Justice or everything that my company is up to at ConnectSense.com. How about you, Richard? You can find me not on Twitter, but on Mastodon at Richard Gunther. And we need to get more people over there. We need to get Adam over there. We need to get a couple more of the tech folks. Finally got Jenny over there, I think. I'm pretty sure we got her over there. Anyway, so you can also find the work that I'm doing over at the Digital Media Zone. And of course, the Smart Home Show is part of technology.fm, which includes other tech podcasts like Home Tech FM, the Spoon Podcast, and my other show, Home On. We mentioned before that you can reach out to us at smarthome.fm. We have an email address, feedback at smarthome.fm, where you can send us questions or feedback. Or at the site, you can find show notes and details about each of our episodes. And of course, you can find this show wherever you find your podcasts. And if you like it, do us a favor, subscribe or follow, sure. But uh, more importantly, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.